afternoon, wrestling fans, and welcome to another edition of John Aresi's Pro Wrestling Spotlight, the only wrestling podcast that brings you back 30 years with vintage audio featuring some of the biggest names of that time. This episode is going to be no exception. As always, the Pro Wrestling Spotlight covered all the news stories and breaking developments that happened in real time, and now we get to relive those moments right here on this podcast. Joining me, as always... Direct from New York and um, looking dapper today in a nice uh, sport coat. And we'll be able to talk more about the visual elements that are going to be happening here at Pro Wrestling Spotlight. But I do want to introduce my co-host, the former managing editor of Pro Wrestling Illustrated and so many other great newsstand wrestling magazines back in the day. Mr. Bob Smith. Bob, how are you today? I'm hanging in there. I want to uh, apologize in advance for my somewhat raspy tone. I am still recovering from COVID. I am uh, COVID-free, but I have the cold symptom phase now, which will linger. It's in its second hit week now. I'm hoping that we can extend it into a, to a month. And, you know, we need the box yeah. office, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's still got a little bit of a grip on you, but um... – uh, your voice sounds uh, just a tad sexier, Bob. Well, maybe you know, maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll, uh, we'll get <laughs> some more. Uh, maybe we email, can call uh, Miss. Maybe we could call Misty Blue, and she, <laughs> we can have a conversation. Our, our guest this week voice. will be Misty Blue, and uh, yeah, Misty. we'll also have a cat. <laughs> She'll be taken on cat at the high school gymnasium next week. Yeah, Cat Larue. That's right, Blue and Cat Larue. That was always a <laughs> constant. But uh, I do want to make a special announcement here, and uh, we are undergoing a brand new, I wouldn't say direction as much as I would say a facelift or a fresh coat of paint on the show. Uh, We have hired uh, a new member of the team who's going to be joining us direct from Tucson, Arizona. Let's bring him on. He is the producer and creative director for Pro Wrestling Spotlight as of this broadcast. And it's Marsh from Tucson, Arizona. Marsh, how you doing? Hey, how's it going? I'm doing pretty good. Welcome, man. It's good to have you here. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to be part of the team. We're back on the team. I used to do the YouTube clips back in the day. Yes, you did. And I felt that it was necessary to kind of shake things up a little bit uh, because I wanted so much a visual element to this. I There's so many people that... Uh, would love the opportunity to see this show on YouTube. And and now that opportunity is here. And with Marsh's creative direction and uh, coming in as producer uh, with some wonderful ideas and some uh, new, uh, new direction, we're also uh, going to be shaking up the clips a little bit. Uh, we're going to be uh, expanding the number of clips that we had, but shortening them uh, almost. And I hate to say we're going to go back to the future but, I mean, there was a lot of things uh, that we uh, miss covering, like maybe mm-hmm. some of those zany commercials from WNYG and some of the madness that used to go on in the studio and some of those regular callers. So uh, so we're, we're actually, you know, we're, we're planning our feet in a new direction. And, uh, you know, uh, anyone who's watching this on YouTube now can see us and see mm-hmm. that wonderful – uh, Bob Smith there <laughs> with the with the sport coat and the new you know bookcase in the background and Marsh of course where you're located which has a lot of wrestling memorabilia in the background but uh, before we get into the meat of the show why don't you tell everybody out there you know what you've done how we met 
and uh, you've been involved in the wrestling business. This ain't, this ain't your first uh, rodeo, so to speak. Yeah, no, I was uh, when when Sean X Pac Waltman was doing his show, the pro uh, pro wrestling for life. They needed a new producer as well at a certain point, and I was able to join that team and give that show kind of a facelift as well. Uh, there's if you go back and watch them, you can see a definitive change in the visuals of it. And that was my my chance to come on in. And once he decided he didn't want to do that show anymore, he introduced me to you because that was right around when you were going through a few changes as well with this format. Yep. And uh, that's how we began our, our working relationship until 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 it went the direction it had to go at the time. But I'm happy and to yes. come back to add more to the show than I was adding before. I feel like before I was taking little snippets and trying to put it out there. And this is, feels like a, a lot more adding to the show than just almost repackaging the show. Yeah, it actually gives uh, you creative kind of creative control of the production of the show. And, and uh, you know, Jay Farrar and uh, previous to him, Alex Robertson, dear friends of ours, uh, Bob's and myself. Uh, so it wasn't anything that Jay did wrong. Uh, it was just a matter of I needed to add an element that we weren't delivering to our audience. And that was uh, a crisper, uh, a tighter show with, uh, you know, more clips, more fun. Uh, and Jay did a great job, but I wanted the visual element that was so important. So, you know, what you brought to the table was kind of a complete package of uh, pulling the clips, writing notes, uh, delivering that, uh, those notes to Bob and I, and then doing the video stuff. So, that was uh, so important. So I think that everybody out there, uh, whether you're a regular listener to the show or not, you're going to be able to hear it still on all of your regular podcast outlets. But you'll also be able to see it now on YouTube. And patrons uh, will also get that opportunity to get the shows early like they always have. Uh, but the uh, and that would include probably the YouTube stream as well. We could release it to our patrons first as well as the episode. So, Marsh, welcome, man. It's a pleasure to have you here. And uh, one question I have for you right off the bat before we get started with the show is how, how long have you been collecting wrestling stuff? Because it seems like you have a pretty, uh, uh, a pretty stacked deck up there. I mean, it's kind of a uh, it's kind of a messy story just because. Well, so I I grew up really loving it. Obviously, it was a collector of all sorts of stuff, kind of grew out of it, came back to it. I was living in New York for a long time. I was adamantly not collecting anything because I moved a lot when I lived in New York. One of the last years I was there, my girlfriend was in the Navy, so she would buy me things and send me stuff. One of the things she got me was tickets to the big event in New York. And she uh -huh. got me tickets specifically to meet Bret Hart. And that's what this is right here. When I met Bret, I got the signed glasses, picture with him and Nightheart. And uh, uh, that kind of like, it was the it was all I needed to be hooked again and be like, I need more cool things around. And so um, I would say that as far as actively collecting, it's been probably the last 10 years or so. Uh, but yeah. Nice collection. I, I dig around. I got, this is my newest thing was the ljn ref because i like to ref i like the referee <laughs> finding an ljn ref was huge for me <laughs> and you have ref before haven't you yes a couple of times locally and hoping to do that a little bit more now so awesome well i want to welcome you again uh to the show as our producer and executive director we look forward to the hard work you're going to be putting in and making uh this show um especially on the visual side of it uh something that the fans have been lacking 
since they started listening to us. So thank you again. Uh, and also, uh, I'll be seeing you in uh, Vegas in a couple yeah. weeks. Uh, actually, the Cauliflower Alley uh, reunion. It, it'll be done by the time the show airs, actually. So, <laughs> uh, But um, yeah, so welcome aboard. We'll speak at the end of the show, and we'll talk about uh, YouTube a little bit more. Absolutely. Hopefully people will uh, feel the difference or see the difference, but it stays mostly the same is what we're going for. So exactly. Thank you guys. Exactly. Thank you, Marsh. Uh, Patreon. Before we get to the show, uh, I do want to mention patrons. Uh, it's so important uh, for you to participate in our Patreon account. We had a great Zoom with everybody, Bob, last week. Wasn't that cool? To yes. See that was our biggest attended Zoom. Yes, well. it was. Uh, I really like the guys. I, everybody who showed up has been just terrific. Uh, and boy, do they know a lot, don't they? It's incredible. They do. They do. And they really Eric do. McCarthy, I believe he was his first time. And because he's just started really getting into the show and he's still listening from 1989, but he joined us on the Zoom and he commented a lot on our Facebook page and how much fun he had and everyone should do it. So that's for patrons. Uh, so that's kind of a little bit of a. Uh, incentive uh we do these on a monthly basis you get to see bob myself and uh and uh, talk wrestling with us and it was a lot of fun to do this last uh uh zoom and we'll do it again next month but uh, we do want you to join that patreon page if you're a member on any level uh you'll be able to participate in those zooms with us so uh five bucks a month gets you in the door it gets you the uh complete library of the pro wrestling spotlight dating back to 1989 uh, it gets you early access to the podcast and the YouTube of vodcast, I guess we're going to call it. Uh, so you'll be <laughs> able to get all of that for five bucks a month. And uh, uh, if you want a higher level of participation, uh, there's $10 levels, $25 levels, all the way up to $100 a month as executive producer. Uh, the spiffs, the bonuses that you get are uh, are really uh, very robust from 8mm films, vintage wrestling magazines sent to your door every month, uh, and so many other uh, very, very cool things when it comes to vintage content. That's patreon.com slash John Arezzi. Five bucks a month gets you in. Uh, it costs more for a damn cup of coffee at Starbucks, but uh, we want you to give it a shot. Just go there and check out the levels, patreon.com slash John Arezzi. We really would appreciate your support on that. Well, Bob, uh, this is our podcast episode 48. We're, we're, we're almost at our one-year anniversary with you. Yeah, uh, I just so thought of that. That's true. It's coming up pretty quick. Yeah. yeah. By, by the way, I also refereed. Did you know that? It, I, the good news is I refereed two matches, and one of them involved Cheetah, Cheetah Kid. The bad news, it was for Mark Tendler. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. It was in a shopping mall, I believe in Massapequa. That must have been a Long Island, New York. It, it actually was fun. It was fun. And uh, I, we, we made an article about it when the wrestling magazines for GC London. I think it was, it's not as easy as it looks. And it was really a true story. I didn't, I didn't bullshit. I, I kind of said, you know, I went over some stuff with Mark, you know, how to, how to position. The one thing that I learned was if the wrestlers are starting to circle each other at the beginning of the match, move in the opposite direction. In other words, don't go toward them. Go away from them and around them. That's how you keep them knocking into them and getting in the way of the action. And after about five minutes, I got it. I got it down. I actually, I thought I did a pretty decent job. Of course, I, I was about sixty pounds heavier than I, you know, back then, and uh, I didn't move around as well as I do now. But it was fun. I, I enjoyed it. I wouldn't make a career out of it or anything like that. But it yeah. was, it was kind of fun. 
Hey, I uh, actually did some managing too for Mark Tendler. For Mark? Not. Yeah, uh, it was. Uh, I believe it was in Massapequa or one of those small little high school gyms. I I took on the persona of the manager of the Power Twins. <laughs> And I, I think it was against Ray Odyssey and Tom Brandy, I believe, was that tag team match. And I dressed up like a mafioso with a black suit and a white tie and the dark glasses, which I always wore back then. And uh, the payoff was really decent. It was, I think, $5 or something. It was like, Wow. Well done. That's a of soda back then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that was a lot of fun. But anyway, uh, tonight, uh, today, taping this episode 48 of this podcast, and it's covering show 178, which is back on November the 7th, 1992. So we're going to get into uh, the meat of the show and talk about what happened 30 years ago. That's right. And as usual, uh, the usual uh, beginning of the show with Don Libel. The one man is back rest, with the capsule. The, the uh, we, which we call the time capsule now. Back then, it was the news capsule, done in a very traditional news style. For those who have been listening to the podcast up to this point, that was kind of cool. I liked the ticker that you used for a while too. That was fun. Yes, and it's, of course we, yeah, it was, it was, it was great back in the day when EBD we had all those great sound effects. But Donnie had a really concise uh, capsule this time, didn't he? Yes, he did. There actually is a lot going on. I'm, I'm I'm looking at the notes from it now, and it's like you know title changes and in big and small federations galore. And uh, you want to get to it right now? Yeah. And the biggest question in wrestling was where the heck is Jake the Snake Roberts? You know, so uh, lots to go over today. That, that's been a question throughout his career, isn't it? That's that's the question. Where is Jake Roberts? Yeah. And why don't his, why doesn't he stay away? <laughs> well, he surfaces. Yes, he does. Well, anyway, let's get the show on the road, or I should say let's the old it. show, the original show, with uh, the Don Libel time capsule. Good morning, John. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Rough week. Oh, yeah, it was. And I'll tell you something. Uh, it seemed to be a rather quiet week started in wrestling, and uh, quite a few interesting things took place towards the end, or at least the uh, news leaking out, so... Uh, a real jam-packed uh, capsule today. Okay, go to it. All righty. Well, it's been confirmed on October 27th in Terry Hood, Indiana's Holman Center. Shawn Michaels pinned the British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith to win the Intercontinental Championship. Now, the match is scheduled to be shown on next week's Saturday night main event at 9 p.m. Eastern on the Fox Television Network. Now, on the World Wrestling Federation Survivor Series pay-per-view, the Bret Hart-Michaels contest will be belt versus belt. Much to everyone's surprise, Kerry Von Erich returned to his alma mater, the world-famous Sportatorium in Dallas, Texas, last week. Now, during a match when Al Perez was being double-teamed by Killer Tim Brooks and his manager, Skander Akbar, Kerry came on the scene to clean house. This was the only appearance Kerry made on the Global Wrestling Federation card. Well, the mask is off. King Killer's identity is a secret no more. Managers Nate the Rat and Richard Lee and Memphis-based United States Wrestling Association brought in King Killer to supposedly get rid of Jerry the King Lawler. Well, to no great fanfare, the Killer's identity has been exposed. He's Mean Mike Miller. And turning to the Pacific Northwest, Championship Wrestling USA has a new television titleist. Johnny Rambo claimed that honor for Mike Winner recently in Salem, Oregon. Also, for the first time in two years, Beetlejuice Art Barr is back wrestling in Oregon. Barr has been spending most of his work time during that time span in Mexican promotions. 
Last Sunday, more than 1,000 fans showed their support of the New England Wrestling Federation in Burlington, Vermont. The man most people came to see was Legion of Doom's Hawk, and he certainly didn't disappoint those in a memorial auditorium as his opponent, Richard Charlin, had the three-count scored on him, courtesy of Hawk delivering a clothesline off the top rope. And finally, on this day in wrestling history, the scrapbooks tell us on November 7, 1973, 19 years ago in San Antonio, Texas, then-National Wrestling Alliance champion Jack Briscoe was taken to a one-hour draw by Jose Lothario. It was 13 years ago today in Japan that Harley Race won the NWA belt for a fourth time in pinning Giant Baba. And in what must have been Tennessee on November 7, 1978, beautiful Bobby Eaton and Randy Savage went to a 15-minute time limit draw. For Pro Wrestling This Week, I'm Don Leibel reporting. Capsule Time, 10.08. Once in a while on the old tapes, and I want to tell the listeners this, John, is that there were gaps once in a while. There'd be a couple seconds of silence. That No, really? It was, it was well, you know, I just want them to know that that was in no, the broadcast. No. Yeah, well, that's the, that's that's WNYG. That's, you know, there's yeah. always little glitches there. I mean, Dodd uh, didn't uh, curse or something like that. You know, it was, no. it was just a situation where, uh, and by the way, I do believe in our last episode when it was announced that PWI was being sold, that my name was mentioned and it got cut out because of the same problem at the same time. So those things yeah. occurred back then. Yeah, especially at that little rinky-dink radio station, you know. I think I told you about our Christmas bonus once once year at WNYG, didn't I? Yes, the, the bottle of ketchup. The bottle of ketchup that had expired date on it, yeah. That was a mm, good one. Them Zeets. And it was also when I was an employee there, was uh, every Friday it was, you know, not just payday, it was race to the bank. Because they'd run out of money <laughs> every Friday. So as soon as you got that check, you raced to the bank. And, you know, everyone's nervous online, waiting to cash their check. And all of a sudden, it'd be like if you're, like, in the back, you know, the teller would wave you off like there's no more money. Um, i never forget one day. I was so pissed that I ran. I, I took the check, and I went over to the owner's house, you know, this big, beautiful house in Babylon, New York. And I was like, where's the money, you know? So Mr. Yeah. Hornstein took the cash out of his pocket and paid me that week. So it was an interesting place to work, Bob. It was local radio at its finest. Yeah. Well, there you, there you go. You have that, that experience on your belt. By the way, I never correct Don libel, but I just want to, cause I was around at this point. It wasn't King killer. It was the King killer. The inflection was kind of off. He was brought in as a monster heel to try to end the career of Jerry, the King low there. Therefore he's the King, King killer. killer. Right. Get it. Yeah. It went over like a lead balloon. Uh, you know, Jerry would always create these monster characters that come in and try to, you know. Did you remember that period for a while? It was Tagar and uh, Leatherface he had for a while. And, mm -hmm. and, and the original Leatherface, by the way, who got there, – there's offshoots of Leatherface all over the world, including in Japan. So that kind of worked. But Lola had a tendency to bring in guys who were like literal monsters. Yeah. So he'd look better after he beats them. I don't know about that. I just think maybe he was just trying to get people over on the cheap because they always had masks on. You know, you can, <laughs> could be anybody over there, you know? Yeah, Jerry, I don't know about him being cheap, Bob. Oh, 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 oh no, sir, sir, sir. <laughs> I, I, I attended a car in Memphis uh, uh -huh. when Rob Zakowski, who was Rob Van Dam, and Sabu were on the opening matches. I don't even want to tell you what they made. I don't even want to tell you. And and 
they were great. I mean, oh God, I saw during that little tour I had in Memphis, I saw uh, Rob Van Dam take on Nightmare Danny Davis, I believe is in West Memphis, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Best opening match I've ever seen to this day. Because you know how good they both are. And, mm-hmm. and Rob was young and, and supple and, and athletic and crazy, willing to do anything. And it blew the roof off this place. And it's like, I, I, I turned to whoever I was with. I said, that's the best opener I've ever seen. So I'm, I'm probably going off on a tangent, but I think back at those days of Memphis and then realized they told me what their payoffs were. And we were buying each other beers because they couldn't afford very many of them, if you know what I mean. So Yeah, it was the yeah. Mark Hendler pay grade. Yeah, that's about right. Well, 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 well said. You know, that's a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. So that was the meat of uh, Don's weekly appearance. And uh, you read a commercial not not too long after that about a Legion of Doom Hawk meet and greet. You hosted it, right? Yeah, it was a um, it was a a, a, a an event that uh, was able to book. It was kind of a memorabilia show I was putting together and. Uh, Hawk was the guy that I chose for it. And, uh, you know, that's why I brought him on the show. That's why he did the interview. Uh, and uh, so it was kind of a really well-attended event back then, which we'll be getting to on the next episode. Very interesting. And, uh, and then the Death of Superman comic release at LNS Comics. It was, uh, yeah, that was a big, big deal. That was a big event. Uh, I don't know how much of a comic book aficionado you are, Bob. I was always a Superman guy, but of course I, I got out of that when I was, you know, an adult. I don't even want to talk about my comic book fixation because between the ages of zero and about 14, I collected everything. I had yeah. a locker, a literal locker in my basement full of what today would be rare Silver Age comic books. And my parents hounded me and hounded me. What you doing reading them funny books? You're too old to be reading. You're too old to be reading them funny books with the Superman and all that. It's you're too old for this. You're too old for this. They didn't. Were you a, were you a DC or a Marvel guy? Both. I liked them both equally. Mm-hmm. You, you're gonna laugh when I tell you what I liked. I like Superman. You know, like don't Justice tell me, League. Don't of tell America. me you're like Charlton. Okay, that's all. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm talking about. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, there was, uh, I wasn't really a Marvel guy. I was always more of a DC guy when it came okay. to that type of stuff with Batman. I like Batman. I like Superman. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other stuff I, which I loved Archie comic books when I was a kid and I loved like Rich, Richie Rich. If you remember Richie Rich. Yes, and, sure. Uh, yeah, those types of, uh, and you know, uh, so I, I collected comics. I wish I had the comics I had back then, Oh, dude! Uh, but I used to love them. 10 That's cents, 12 cents an issue. 15. And, you know, there's the punch for me. I got tired of hearing the badgering from my folks. Yeah. So I took my comic book collection, including doubles of the original Silver Surfer, comics that are worth so much money today, and I gave them to a cousin. Did you really? I did. Ooh. I have regretted it. Because I knew they were collectible even then. You know, yeah. I knew... I knew Oh, I don't yeah. want to talk about it. Yeah, I tell you, I, though, I'm going to cry right in front of all these people yeah, on YouTube. Bob, please, you know, you know, don't tear up on us. But yeah, LNS Comics was the place, and and they and they made a big deal out of the Superman uh, death of Superman comic release, and uh, so uh, and if you want to hear, you know, exactly uh, those that spot or whatever as we talk about it, uh, Patreon.com slash John Arezzi has the complete unedited episode. Uh, but I guess there was something else, Bob. I mean, 
All right. This is a first for us here. We're both laughing. This is a first because we're going to play an ad. We're going to play an ad for the day. John, you're going to have to explain this because I can't. Oh, okay. Announcing the grand opening of Long Island's only teen disco, The Club. Keeping our young adults off the street in a drug and alcohol-free environment. The Club, located at 9 Park Avenue South in Bayshore. Call 968-0507. 968-0507. The Club, catering to young adults 13 and up. The Club, the place to party, the place to dance, the place to meet that someone special, the place for romance. Long Island's only teen disco catering to young adults 13 and up. The Club, located at 9 Park Avenue South in Bayshore. Call 968-0507. 968-0507. The Club. Come down. Come dance. Come give it a chance. Come romance. A place for young adults to meet. Catering to young adults 13 and up. The Club. Call 968-0507. 968-0507. Okay, we're back here. We're wow. pro wrestling this week in the club. Have you been in there yet, Tom? Kidding. I was there the first night looking around for a date. <laughs> no, no, I haven't. I don't you know. Go to the, you go to the uh, junior high also and like... No, you know girl, come here. You want some candy? No, I, I hit the high school. I, I like I'm a, a little, little older than junior high, though. Not much, but uh, a little bit older. I got you. Know. <laughs> no, I haven't been to the club, but uh, nice. Not a bad thing. You know, keeping our young adults off the street in a drug and alcohol-free environment. That's exactly right. That's what we advocate here, drug-free society. That's right. Wow, that was an interesting uh, little <laughs> dialogue with Tom Pantaleo after that commercial, which was an odd commercial to begin with. Uh, a nightclub for 13 and up. What could go wrong? Oh, all kinds of things. But that even that music, Ed... <laughs> That music bed, you know, yeah. when you're talking about a teen disco? The place for romance? I know. It was a very inappropriate. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's the comments were inappropriate. The spot was inappropriate. And you know what the biggest question I got on this whole thing? I don't know if it was a sponsor, if I sold this commercial or not, or if someone else brought it on the show. I have no freaking clue. Well, but it's, it's hilarious. It adds an ad, I guess. Uh, but I, I just, I, I'm listening to the end. The thing gets farther and farther out. The more the, the narrator, you know, explains what you can do with the club. I'm, yeah. I'm a gog. I don't know what to say. It could be the oddest commercial that we've ever run on pro wrestling. That's Spotlight. pretty. That's pretty out there. It really was. It was very, Holy very smoke. out there. But uh, yeah, that was uh, that was an interesting. And Tom Pantaleo, I mean, that engineer, he was always a snarky guy in the beginning. I mean, and even that conversation was a little inappropriate. I mean, he certainly would get canceled today if uh, yes, he, he would said something like that on the radio these that days. Was, it was all uh, it would all be all over. All it would in be jail. all over. All oh, in jail. Yeah, but you know what? Uh, I, I kind of liked his contributions to the show around that point. He had a good voice and he had a good sense of humor too. He's still he's still doing. DJ work on Long Island, man. He's Are you still, serious? Uh, BAB, WBAB, which is the rock station there. He uh, he moved around quite a bit. He he is uh, he's a mainstay on Long Island radio, and also a graduate of West Babylon High School that uh, my sister Donna actually graduated with. He calls himself Rocky Pantaleo now on the air. Oh, <laughs> uh, Long Island. Good old Long Island. But, uh, yeah, I guess we will uh, continue on. And uh, we have another interesting segment coming up uh, with 
a well, guy that's no longer with us. You know? Yeah, our main guest, Dennis Coraluzzo, the uh, famed New Jersey-based promoter. And what was your relationship like with him, John? I'll, uh, we'll go on from there. I, yeah, I, was, I only brushed up with him a couple of times, oddly enough, because I knew everybody else. But I think I only appeared maybe at two of his shows. So what was it like working with him? Dennis was a nice guy. I mean, Dennis was a promoter. You know, Dennis was uh, a wrestling guy. He was a bit of a worker. But he and I always got along pretty famously, you know. Um, he did a lot of good things in New Jersey. Uh, he promoted a lot of shows. He helped people with charity benefits and such. But Dennis was an interesting cat. I always got along with him and his partner in the Monster Factory, which was Larry Sharp. Uh, uh, and Dennis would be the type of guy, even though, you know, I never really charged him for any advertising. He'd give tickets to us. Uh, it was always a good back and forth. It wasn't like a Tommy D or some of the other, uh, you know, slimy, uh, promoters that were out there at the time. <laughs> Dennis, I enjoyed the camaraderie with, and he gave me a great, great opportunities, uh, including the time I, I called that match between Backlund and Funk. That was kind of my the highlight of anything ever called on a play-by-play. -play. So I liked Dennis. I liked him very much. And I was, uh, we'll get into it obviously in 94 when uh, the ECW screw job uh, takes place with the NWA, but uh, nothing bad to say about Dennis at all. Nice to hear. Very good. All right. Thank well, the, um, the situation at this point is he had applied to become a member of the national wrestling Alliance, the NWA, which, mm -hmm. you know, WCW wanted the name. They didn't want the name. They wanted the name. They wanted the titles to mean something. Then they didn't. It was a mess. So I think whoever was left at the NWA decided to, to seek new promotional people to try to get involved. Am I remembering that correctly? I think I am. Yeah. I mean, the NWA was looking for members. They were. So let's, uh, let's hear from Dennis now and hear, hear his thoughts about becoming an NWA member and some other topics as well. Now, another thing that uh, we wanted to talk to you about, there's been a lot of rumors uh, circulating over the last several weeks. Uh, the NWA, uh, which used to be uh, the largest promotional base in this country uh, years ago with territories uh, all over the world. Uh, rumors are that they're going to start... Uh, admitting new promoters in and new territories to maybe start branching out again. And we've heard your name bantered about uh, about the NWA. Can you tell us if that's true or not? Yeah, it is, John. I have officially applied to be a member of the NWA. Uh, years ago, they always had a membership criteria, but they more, more or less didn't let anybody know about it. You know what uh -huh. I'm saying? And they just kept it amongst a certain clique of people. So I'm like the outsider trying to get in now, and I meet all the requirements. And they were supposed to notify me by midnight uh, last night. I haven't heard nothing yet, probably because of the weekend. But I'll be on it first thing Monday morning, and uh, I'm sure I'll have no problem being accepted. The thing I'm looking forward to is that, uh, according to their bylaws, that their champion and their tag team champions must defend their title belts in the individual territories that are members of the NWA. Yeah. So that would be neat if I could bring... Uh, Chono in and uh, Dustin Rose and Barry Windham if they still have the straps, you know? Well, WCW is not calling them unified champions, not even calling them WCW or NWA champions. I know. It's very, you know, it's, uh, it's very confusing what's happening because technically you're, you're supposed to, if you're in the NWA, if you're a member of the NWA, 
you're supposed to recognize their champion. But as you see, WCW doesn't do that. They right. recognize Ron Simmons. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And he's certainly going over like a lead balloon. I know. It's just like, it's like very confusing as like some of the stuff that they're doing. But um, I actually see a lot of, I actually can see a lot of regional promotions starting up again. And uh, hopefully this will be like the old NWA where they had different territories and the champion would come in and defend his belt against your regional champion and Maybe it'll stimulate some interest back in wrestling. Mm -hmm. Dennis, how long have you been promoting? Since uh, 1985. So you've been in there for a while. Yeah. And uh, the state of the business today, boy, I tell you, when you got into it, uh, it's a little bit different. John, it's just unbelievable right now. It's just, uh, uh, you know, like I think TV's more or less killed it. Yeah. That's my opinion. But um, like I said, I do well. When we do independent shows, we promote them well. We advertise them well. And we always get a good crowd at them. And, uh I think more people that come to watch independent shows and, and they get an opportunity to see a different product and not something that kills them for four and five hours on a weekend, mm -hmm. they're going to continue to come back. And that's the a, that's a direction I see happen. I mean, if you look across the country, like like Smoky Mountain and, uh, and uh, USWA, and there's a lot of you know independent federations out there that are starting to draw people, and people are becoming interested in, that pro in their product because it's different. And I can... As a matter of fact, for anybody that gets the uh, the Observer, you know Dave Meltzer's uh, newsletter, he has results in there every week. And if you would follow them results and look at them, each week you see different promotions popping up all over the country with results, and that's a good sign. And I, you know, I've always been, uh, uh, you know, a, uh, you know, a proponent supposedly of independent wrestling. Well, you certainly promoted some great shows, uh, and I'll tell you one of. Uh uh, my biggest thrills in, in my professional wrestling career has been uh, the night that I called the match with Chris Cruz between Terry Funk and Bob Backlund. Uh, That's right. That was one of my all-time thrills, just uh, being able to sit there and call that match for uh, for, for television setup, and uh, I enjoyed that more than John, I'll tell you what, we're still working on getting some TV. When we do the TV, you know, we want to do it right, and... I'm looking forward to having you back to the quarter matches again. Well, I certainly enjoy working with you folks down there, and we hope to see you next uh, Saturday night. He did some good stuff. You know, I'm, I'm going through a list here of the people on the card that he was promoting on this appearance on the show. He had Chris Candido versus Sabu. Um, wow. I mean, that's a, think about how good that match must have been. And then he was yeah. promoting a, a fundraising show for which was going to have Candido against Ray Odyssey, who was a really good pro in this area, and Lightning Kid, who we you know we later know as X Pac and all that other stuff, versus yeah. Bill Wilcox, who at one point was considered one of the best prospects in all of wrestling. No, so I, 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 interesting I stuff. Yeah, it is. Uh, Dennis was always good at getting uh, and giving some of these younger, especially he'd always he'd be very uh, his finger was on the pulse of who was hot. And who the sheets were talking about, like, what's the observer saying about this indie guy and that guy? And that's how we got Lightning Kid, you know, Sean and, uh, you know, Candido was a local guy, obviously. But uh, one thing about Dennis, he did uh, keep his finger on the pulse of, like, up-and-comers and how mm -hmm. can he integrate them into his shows. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not only did he apply to the NWA, he became. Well, yes, he did. The president of the National Wrestling Alliance. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that all kind of the, that house of cards crumbled after <laughs> they tried to do the deal with ECW, which will be covered in a couple of years. Yeah, really, and uh, you know, I went and that looked was at a bad night, man. I looked at a, a list of other NWA presidents from that time period for about five years, and they were just holding on by a thread, weren't they? Yes, they were. It was uh, almost it was almost over for them, you know. And fortunately, today, I mean, Billy Corrigan from Smashing Pumpkins runs the NWA, and he uh, at least is running regularly, and he's uh, pretty innovative in what he's doing. But yeah, the NWA, I've always loved the NWA. They've always, they were always my favorite organization because of their rich history, because of everything that they did. Uh, so I always have a warm place in my heart for anything NWA to this day. I really root for today's NWA with Billy Corgan. First of all, th- kudos to him for sticking his neck out and even yes. buying the thing, you know? Yes. He's made it more of a success than I thought he would have by this point, which is nice. I just think his talent base is just a little thin at this point. If he, if he can build and, and create some, and not sign old stars, but create some new ones, I think the sky's the limit, I really do. Because the, the production of that show, if you ever watch the YouTube show, Mm-hmm. From, from the from the theme song, which really hooks you mm-hmm. right into the action, and it's got the old TBS feel to it, the old six oh five feel, as it were. Yeah, and you got to root for that, man. You just have to. Yeah, the only thing that he's lacking right now is really a good TV deal, because I I think with uh, and I think the other thing I think that's going on with him and NWA now is that it's kind of a very small operation, even though Billy is you know a millionaire and all of that. Uh, you could lose an awful lot of money too, but he needs a TV deal and he needs more of a uh, of a better infrastructure there. I know our friend Medusa uh, produces all the female matches uh, for him, uh, so she has high hopes that they're going to grow this thing, and she loves working with him. Just what a great guy he is, but they still need that infrastructure where if they're going to get off of YouTube, and I'm not saying YouTube's a bad place, but you need to get some type of television presence to really right. expand it. I mean, Fight TV is an excellent uh, app or whatever you want to call it or or network, whatever it is, whatever they call it these days. It really is good. There's just so much wrestling and boxing and, you know, combat sports on there. It's excellent. But you got to have, like you said, you got to have some sort of a weekly presence on a Mm -hmm. dial. When there's no such thing as a dial anymore. So I don't know how how to put it. You got to be on TV. That's the word. You got You got to. You got to get on a cable network or something. But we hope he does. But anyway, going back thirty years to Dennis Carluzzo in the NWA, he was certainly excited about becoming a member uh, and promoting these shows and raising money for charities and individuals. Uh, I can't say enough nice things about that guy and uh, let him rest in peace. He was just a. He was a absolutely really, really cool guy. Mm-hmm. Well, we segue from the future NWA president to. Uh, what we call the bread and butter of your shows during the era, which was, of course, the callers. Mm-hmm. And you had your favorite callers, and you had some that you weren't quite so fond of. But um, it, it was nice. The one nice thing about going back to Long Island after after the New York City uh, set, you know, time was that you, you got to hear from some of your oldest fans again. Isn't that right? Yeah, the ones uh, who who were the regulars on WNYG, the ones that were in the listening area that could call in, uh, like from the early days, we always had the Vinny from West Babylons, the George uh, George from Linden Hurst, all those little characters that kind of developed lives of their own. And uh, and on this rendition of the, you know, back to WNYG, we do have uh, some of those that call in, uh, still waiting for George from Lindenhurst to call in, you know, waiting to this day, hopefully he'll be 
future show. I used to, he's been a while now. Oh my God. Yeah. It was, uh, when I left W, uh, GBB, that was it for George. I mean, uh, I don't know if he ever comes back. <laughs> no, I don't know. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see that, but, um, there were still plenty of characters out there in the, and the thing about NYG, once again, only one line getting into the studio. One line. So uh, it was uh, very frustrating at times. And and there was and Tom, you know, didn't screen the calls. I didn't know who was. I was just picking up, all right, who's this? You know? Right, right. So that was, you never know. You never know. Uh, because I was uploading a show today, and I, and I was like, who's this? Vince Russo rules, you know? So we'll hear that on the next episode. Oh, boy. Like, oh. And then... He was like, uh, I was like, you're an idiot. And then he, and we went back and forth. Like we were like throwing insults at each other until uh, uh, Tom Pantaleo cut him off. But I was, I was hot. I was ready to just like to lose it on, on this guy who was calling to promote Russo's show. It was crazy. Uh, such was the, such was the tone of that era. Unfortunately. Yes. Yes. So you ready for, ready to hear from a caller? Um, oh Yeah. We are going to hear from Mike from College Point. And we have a nice story about him, who this guy was. Who, If people don't know already, it was Mike Johnson. Now one of the big journalists in the entire wrestling game right now. Mm-hmm. Let's go to that clip right now. It's Mike from College Point. Mike, how are you? Pretty good. Sign me up for that bus trip. You got it. How much is it? I, oh yeah, so I do have the price right here. It's uh, uh, thirty dollars if you're a Booster Club member. Thirty-five if you're not. Okay, you got my number. Yes, I certainly do. Uh, two things. Yes. What is the Slam Jam that they're advertising on USA on Titan program? Okay, Arista Records. Okay, and in conjunction with the WWF, we're putting out another wrestling album. They uh, are. The WWF had two albums previously when it was business was real hot with Epic Records. Hmm, and, I wonder if Piper's new track is going to be on. Uh, it might be. It might be. But they have a compilation like they did with uh, Land of a Thousand Dancers when they had all those wrestlers appearing on their first album. Yeah. They did something similar for this second, uh, this third album, but it's a new record company, Ariston. I believe it's uh, debuting overseas in, e- in England first. Yeah, because I know Piper has a new single out. Yes. A record single out. Yeah, it, good. I like the effort. I guess these guys need to look over, you know, for uh, something... Uh, cover their bases because of the wrestling business is not doing very good. Maybe they don't want to become recording artists. Yeah, but they got to get the public interested again. Yeah. You know? And I, I think the only way to do that is um, is to get uh, some fresh blood in the business. Yeah, the Have Vince is... McMahon call me up and I'll certainly don the tights <laughs> I and that. I will take on any comer in the WWF. Including Vince Russo? Yeah. First on the list. I'd, I'd pay for that. Double pay-per-view. Yes, it was pretty interesting on the bus. Uh, Halloween Havoc, Mike, of course, you were one of the participants uh, <laughs> on the bus trip. And then we almost had the uh, Royal a local Uncle. version of West Side Story. <laughs> yeah, well, they would have gotten their butts kicked. Well, that's Other not, thing let's is... Not rile up the, uh, let's not rile up the listeners out there. Yeah. Again, the other thing is, do you think it would help WCW if Bill Watts was ejected considering he's screwing it over? Uh, I would say, I would have said a couple of weeks ago, it was too early to tell, but that was before Halloween Havoc. Nah, uh, we've been, attempt- like we've been attempting to get Watts on a program. I'd like to ask him uh, what's going down there. Of course, he does not like to speak to uh, the media very much. Uh, he you know, talks to Wade Keller occasionally, but that's really been about it. 
Uh, I don't but, know what it is, but it seemed to me like the Federation was a bit more jumping when K. Allen Fry was in charge. Yeah. You know, Watts pretty much, it's like he's trying to get back at Jim Crockett for screwing over the UWF by screwing over WCW. Well, I really don't know what the hell is going on down there, but uh, hopefully it'll turn around because it's getting real sad to yeah, see. Yeah, I was watching it today, and they've got Steamboat and Douglas challenging for the tag belts, and they've never even teamed up before. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it doesn't make any sense. I have no idea where any of his angles are going. Unfortunately, we're not the powers of B. Yeah, well. Okay, Mike, listen, take care, and uh, we'll talk to you uh, next week. Sure thing, John. Okay, take care now. Bye. I agreed with him. Mm-hmm. Kip Fry, we hardly knew you. Yeah, Kip uh, was on the right road, and then Watts came in and then mucked it all up, so to speak. But that was, uh, that was a real interesting call from Mike, and what he was referring to uh, was the bus trip we did to uh, Halloween Havoc, where our bus was parked next to Vince Russo's bus, uh, who also had a bus trip there from his show, Vicious Vincent's World of Wrestling. And uh, it was almost like a modern-day version of West Side Story when the buses, uh, after the show, when we all kind of were loading up the fans on the individual buses because the fans on Russo's bus, and he was there with a big black cape on almost like a wizard outfit or something, you know, Russo was. And his fans were like screaming, Arezzi sucks, Arezzi sucks. And my fans were like, Russo sucks, Russo sucks. And they're literally feet from each other looking at each other. And that would have been the weirdest gang war in the history of mankind. (laughs) My listeners and Russo listeners went at it. And Mike Johnson was on that trip. So that was kind of an interesting memory. Uh, that I took from that phone call. As someone who has been on a Johnny Rizzi bus trip, a couple of them, as I recall, yeah, that would have been a really interesting fight scene. It would have been friggin' hilarious. That's what it would have been. I hate to tell you that. It would have, it would have been people who can't fight getting into, into fisticuffs would, is capital entertainment. I, I just, I'm glad nothing went down, though. I really Yeah, am. I would have loved to have seen Fred the Elephant Boy uh, and... <laughs> and and his brother uh, and Ski from Hicksville <laughs> take on some of the Russo guys. Oh, and then me and Russo, of course, going at it at that time. That would have been a fun thing to watch. And like I said, it would have been uh, 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 would have, <laughs> would have been an episode which would have been pretty epic. And you know what you could be thankful for? If that happened today, mm-hmm. right here, at this moment in time, everybody's got a cell phone. So you know that would have escalated, oh, yes. things, right? <laughs> Somebody would have caught all this on tape, and it would have been a, an absolute fracas. It would have gone viral for sure. Yep. <laughs> In modern-day terminology, it certainly would have. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess we'll get on from there. Uh, we have a, a, a hodgepodge of other calls. It, it, yes. it def- definitely ended together by Marsh here. And in a bunch of uh, really interesting calls, they were, people were talking about one we're not going to listen to, but Howard Finkel took a bump. Can you believe that? He got, he got yeah. attacked, attacked by Kamala. Yeah, that was, uh, I think, I don't remember too many times we actually did that. It might have been a handful or less, but that was, yeah, that was an interesting one. Yeah. That, it, I never even knew that occurred. I can't imagine him getting physically involved in a, in anything. Yeah, but he didn't. He didn't seem the type. <laughs> no, but then again, they had Vader beat the Vader beat the crap out of Gorilla Monsoon, so anything is possible. 
Yeah, and when Terry they're desperate Funk. for ratings, they'll Terry try Funk anything. Beating, Terry Funk beating on Mel Phillips in that infamous... Uh, oh, God, yeah, the hat thing. Way. The hat the incident, hat, yeah. yes. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's listen to this hodgepodge of listeners right now. Hi, this is Rob from Medford. How you doing, Rob? All right, um, John, do you have any idea what a Royal Rumble is going to be this year? Uh, down in Florida. Florida? What part do you know? Um, don't really know. And next Saturday, you were talking about this bus trip and everything. Do you know there's wrestling right here in Farmingville next week? Um, I was familiar with that. Yes, Tommy D promoting a show. Yeah, it's but Tommy D really does not uh, keep in contact and give us press releases when yeah. he has shows on Long Island. I had heard it's going to be a Superfly Snooker against Don Morocco in the main event. Okay. Yeah. I know Tommy's running here Friday, November 20th at Babylon High School. And, what's the, and the only reason I know that is because I got it on the Babylon Beacon right here. Uh, and what's, local newspaper. what's the main event going to be in that? Uh, main event is Paul Mr. Wonderful Orndorff taking on Jimmy Snooker. Uh-huh. They also got tag team action, the new demolition, taking on Greg Valentine and Hercules. Uh, four other exciting bouts, including S.D. Jones. That should be a four-star match there. And uh, <laughs> only kidding. Well, that sounds like a good card. And the famous midgets, yes. Uh, and as far as WrestleMania goes, they had originally said the Garden, but last week you said um, Las Vegas. Las Vegas. That's gonna, that's most likely going to be the, the place for WrestleMania Is that, this year. Do you know what arena that's going to be in? Uh, it'll be one of the casinos, maybe uh, the Trump Casino. Uh, not Maybe the Mirage, who knows? We'll find out soon enough. And that clown that we saw on TV last week, is that Matt Bourne? Yes, it is. Uh, well, Big Josh in the WCW. Is he going to wrestle? Uh, I don't think he's going to wrestle crowd. right now, but he's going to be turning. He's Right now he's a clown. He's like a happy-go-lucky type and of fellow. he's going to turn evil? He's going to turn evil, yes. He'll be... Oh, uh, great. Something more for the kids. Well, I tell you, it's... Uh, seeing him last week on TV, I, I'm sure that, uh, that that Matt Bourne is not... I don't know if he's happy or not about the role, but... Uh, Either that or he just needs the money. Well, money, money talks. Yep, I guess so. All right, John, thanks a lot. Thank you for your call. Bye-bye. Okay, 661-1440, the number to call here at Pro Wrestling this week, and uh, lots of other things taking place in the world of pro wrestling, and we'll be talking about them as we always do right here. Hello, you're next. Yes. Who's this? This is Blaine from Craignac. Who? Blaine from Craignac. Blaine, how are you? Okay, I'm fine. You said last week that there was wrestling in Craignac. Yes. Yes, there was a Craignac North High yesterday. Okay, were you at the show? Yes, it was. How was it? It was good. The main event was Jimmy Snuka for Scrape Palantine. With who, two out of three falls. Who won that match? Snooker won in a cheap way on the third fall. No kidding. And they gave, and all the wrestlers gave autographs out. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. How was the crowd? Was it a large crowd there? Oh, not really. It was kind of empty, though. Well, that's because the promoter is a goofball, probably, because he, <laughs> he should be contacting us. You know, we have a wrestling talk show. A lot of fans who would have went to that show last night if they knew about it. Yeah. How did you find out about it? I think it was very interesting. How did you find out about that show last night? Oh, because I go to that school, Craig Nuff That's because you go to the school, right? Yeah. Okay. How did you find out about this program? Because about a year ago, because... Oh, so you've been listening for a while? Yeah. Okay, it's great. It's the first time you've called in, though. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your call. Anything else? Uh, no. Okay, thanks for your call. I appreciate the report. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay, Blaine from Great Neck. And the only reason he knew about the uh, big show last night in Great Neck is because he went to the high school. I tell you, what are wrong with some of these promoters? I have no idea. It's a sick world, isn't it? Hi, you're next. Uh, let me just tell you, fans, I'm not one to uh, 
withhold information from you, as you know. And even though I have not heard from uh, promoter Tommy D about this show coming up in Babylon, I'm going to plug it anyways. Uh, professional Wrestling returns to Babylon at the Babylon High School. That's Friday, November 20th. Uh, it's 8 o'clock p.m. The Babylon High School is right by the Babylon Railroad Station, right off Deer Park Avenue. Main event is going to be Paul Mr. Wonderful Orndorff taking on Jimmy Superfly Snooker. Uh, tag team action, two out of three falls. The new demolition, Axe and Blast, will take on Greg Valentine and the Mighty Hercules. There will be four other exciting matches, including S.D. Jones and the Famous Midgets. Tickets ringside is twelve fifty. General admission, just $8.00. And you can pick up your tickets at Lowman's here in Babylon. Uh, that's on Deer Park Avenue. Uh, the Coffee Cup Restaurant on Sunrise Highway. Sports Shack, Deer Park Avenue. And Seymour Lighting, Route 110. And that is for Tommy D's show on February the 20th. It- interesting segment. You promoted it, but you didn't seem happy to do it. Uh, no, I was not happy at all. Uh, you know, uh, first and foremost... Blaine from Great Neck, you know, he, he kind of fired me up just because of the questions I asked him. How did you know about the wrestling show? Well, I go to the high school. Uh, no, so he is one of those guys that becomes this uh, back on WNYG character. We'll be hearing from him again in future episodes. <laughs> but his, his delivery uh, and everything about him was interesting. But the Tommy D situation fired me up. Here's a guy who I knew pretty well, actually. He was a good friend of George Napolitano. I met Tommy years previous to that. He used to promote uh, he used to promote the spot shows for the WWWF and later WWF. He was an odd duck, this guy. Uh, but he knew I had a wrestling talk show. He knew I had an audience. He never participated in anything. And he never reached out for me to help him promote a show, whether it was for tickets or anything else. So it, it always baffled me. Uh, but once again, you know, there's wrestling in the area. I would mention it. I'd talk about it if I could. And and I was at my boiling point with him there. But I still uh, I still gave him the plug, Bob, because that's a nice guy. That's the type of guy I am or was and still am. Well, playing, dev- playing, de- <laughs> playing devil's advocate, maybe he still had that WWF connection and didn't feel comfortable reaching maybe. out to somebody like you? Well, yeah, maybe he felt if he did anything promotional with me, especially since I was like a public enemy to them, that uh, if he had any aspirations of doing some more business with them or getting talent from them, that association with John Arezzi back in the day would not be something that they would look upon very nicely. Yeah. All I know is back in, back at the PWI offices, I'd hear the name Tommy D every three months. Mm-hmm. Like he he present a show somewhere, and then you wouldn't hear from him for three months, and then oh, he's got another show coming up, and, yeah. and it was always at a high school. Yeah, he'd appear magically after several <laughs> months of being absent, and it'd always get that cringe moment when I'd hear heard that name. It was almost like you know uh, the Three Stooges or whatever. It was like Niagara Falls. Slowly, Slowly I, turn, I turn, step by step, <laughs> inch by inch. And that's when I hear the name Tommy D, that's the kind of reaction that I typically had and kind of still do all these years later. Well, John, it was quite a show. And, you know, other segments on the show with the callers, they talk about, uh, you know, stars like El Gigante and uh, they talk about Smoky Mountain. There's uh, 
a lot of talk about Kerry Von Erich and what he's up to. And people who want to hear this, you, they know where to go. They can go right to Patreon and hear the complete show in its entirety. That is true. You'll be able to hear me talk with Mickey B., who has a multicolored tier guest on his show. I mean, Mickey B. is going to come more into play. And uh, Mickey B. is uh, he's going to be on with Captain Lou Albano uh, pretty soon. And that's, that's that reunion between those two. And, uh, and we'll get into it in the future episodes. But uh, uh, Mickey, uh, it was always good to have my show precede Mickey's show. Because I'd always see him, we'd able to banter back and forth, and what a great guy that freaking guy was. I you mean, know, he, he recently passed away, but I'm my, my God, what a what a good man he was. I find it so heartwarming that in this cynical radio and wrestling businesses, you legitimately were friends with him and speak to him so kindly. Because it's like yeah. most times that's not the case, you know. And you really did seem to like his friendship and his talent, and you were a yeah. fan. Yeah, I was, and he was very close with my sister, and my sister still has a profile picture up of him and her on Facebook, even though he's passed away, you know, three, four months now. I mean, it devastated her, and he was such a vibrant soul, a vibrant individual, and he had uh, he had one hit record, Bob. He was, and he he actually sang with Paul Simon before Simon and Garfunkel. They were in a band together. It was crazy his history in the music business, and. He had a record deal. <laughs> I think it was a short-lived one, but he had a hit record, Bob, and I don't think you'll recall the name of it. I'd love to find it, Marsh, if we could ever play it. It's called Here Comes the Garbage Man by Mickey B. It was the sexy garbage man who the women would just can't wait to put their cans out so Mickey B can... Just do what he did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you're looking for the words, right? I can't think of how to put it either. No, I can't. <laughs> when they put their cans out, I figured I'd might as well stop there, Bob. Yeah, so, that says it all. That says it all. John, we've gone through another show, my friend, and yes, we, uh, have. We, we have some big stuff coming up in the future, don't we, in the future weeks here? Oh, my God. I'm so excited about this, and, you know, uh, it, it's really a, an interesting uh, kind of a look back, and it's a revamp of the show a little bit because there was so many quirky things that went on, you know, between the phone callers and the commercials and, the, you know, some of the, 
the, the craziness that was in and around serious talk about pro wrestling and the great guests. But uh, it's going to be a little bit different for our listeners and our patrons to hear this new direction and especially the new element that we bring into play, which is going to be the video side of it. Uh, so let's bring Marsh back on now and uh, kind of talk about what people can look forward to uh, as they uh, uh, see us on video. I was just digging up trying to find here comes the garbage man just to see. I, there, it was Mickey's men. Was it possible that he was part it of could have been. Men? Yeah. Is, do you see here comes the garbage man on YouTube or something? It could be on YouTube. Yep. I'm seeing some on YouTube and then the garbage man song I'm also seeing, which does explicitly say in the in the stick out your can here comes the garbage man <laughs> wow um, i'll do a little <laughs> more research we'll see if we can't yeah, find yeah yeah maybe we could <laughs> on the next episode oh i know it would be great it would be like when mickey is on the show with captain lou albano which i believe is going to let me pull out the uh, uh the tapes here uh mickey b captain lou Actually, it's on the 11-21-1992 show, show number 180. So this is show 178, so it's just in a couple oh, weeks. A couple weeks. We'll have it ready so by then. Do your right. research and get Here Comes the Garbage Man so we can give everybody out there a taste <laughs> of what the Prince of Rock and Roll, 42-inch waistline and all. And another quick story about Mickey B. He was uh, very heavily involved in the Jewish community and used to raise money. There was a telethon every year with Hasidic Jews, you know, uh, and he brought me to one of these telethons with him because he would be the MC of these things. And there is video of me out there, and I have to, and I know where it is. I, I have to digitize <laughs> it of me actually doing the Jewish dances with the mm. Hasidic Jews on this telethon. Were you that quite a is, dancer back that then? That would be golden. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> but that's so, I mean, I couldn't believe I did it, you know, and he wanted hey, Marsh, me to do it. Marsh, he was probably as good a dancer as he was a wrestler, we'll put it that way. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah there you go, Bob. That's exactly <laughs> the right way to put it because exactly. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I didn't know what, what I was there, but it, it was for Mickey. And when Mickey asked you to do something, you did it because he was just – and he would he – would, He'd do anything for you, this guy. And he mm. was so instrumental in getting me back on WEVD, too, which was another thing that I'll always remember him for. Because if it wasn't for him, I would have never went back on that big station. And we'll be getting into that in the future months, not weeks. It's fantastic. I got one quick question for you, and we'll talk about the YouTube stuff. Did you ever okay. get to do announcing again for Dennis Corluzzo? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. I was I curious because so. – so okay, I don't think try. he ever got TV. I don't yeah, think he, he ever never, got TV after that. He never had television, no. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I mean, it's the funny thing about the East Coast in the Indies. Very rarely did they have television. I think the only one that really qualified was uh, IWCCW or Herb yeah. Abrams, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Herb. Oh, gosh. Yeah, he, uh, he, was a, he was a legend in the wrong, for the wrong reasons. In the wrong reasons, right? Yeah, but uh, yeah. don't talk bad to him to Sunny Beach though to Rick Allen. You know, yeah. Herb actually uh, when Herb passed away, Sunny got possession of Herb's dog, appropriately named Koki. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Wonder what inspiration may have 
In and I think he got I think he got to keep the midget belt too from the UWF. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Wait, anyway. Wait, they had a what? midget championship? They did. They did. It was a little uh, one. It was, it was it was a little time. <laughs> <laughs> It was short-lived. Oh, Politically Every, every cliche in the book. Here we go. That's 30 years ago, folks. But, yeah, there was a uh, uh, a little people title, midget title, uh, that was, I think, uh, uh, defended in that one crazy show in Vegas that 250 yeah. people attended Beach at the MGM Grand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Crazy. But, anyway, YouTube. Yeah. Uh, so we're looking to try and make this more of a video uh, platform with an audio element. Uh, we'll be debuting it, premiering it weekly on YouTube. Uh, if you're a Patreon, uh, I don't see any reason why we couldn't have it on the Patreon site uh, before it uh, officially premieres to the public. So we can do that as well. Like uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's what I, we, I've done it in the past, so I don't know why we couldn't do it now. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, should be, I think, Thursdays we agreed upon, yeah? Yeah, Thursdays of the day. Yeah, that's yeah. when we put both shows up. And uh, patrons always get the shows five days early. So the patrons uh, typically get the shows on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it may take longer because you're doing editing on the video. But uh, the podcast is always going to be reached, uh, given to patrons, you know, four or five days early, the Sunday. Then it's released to the general public on Thursday night. Uh, YouTube, we'll wait to see how the first ones go with your editing process on them. And if they don't get it to Monday or Tuesday, a few days before the regular drop, uh, I'm sure they'll be able to live with that. Uh, well, I mean, my, I've got high, high goals and expectations for myself to hopefully not, uh, interrupt their, uh, uh, their, their routine. Their, yeah. Their routine. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, we're gonna, podcast, like, I expect when they're not there on time, I start wondering what I'm supposed to do with the day. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. People, uh, people, they actually, they look forward. If it's not there, they, they're like, Hey, what's going on? You know, uh, cause people really, a schedule and plan on these things and now that we have the video element to it uh upcoming i think it's going to be the same type of reaction so i'm excited you know this is like obviously it's our first um it's our first uh episode of the revamp in a lot of ways so you know we're feeling our oats here too so um uh it's just like you know staying the same is never good you always want to shake things up a little bit and um uh and and i'm you know i'm a bit nuts so uh <laughs> <laughs> At least want to keep things fresh and exciting. Yeah. Uh, I love that Bob is there to kind of uh, reel me in sometimes too. You know, just to kind of. Uh, but I get a little, I get a little nutty sometimes. I, so. I can never, re I can never reel you in. Are you kidding? <laughs> and I got a bit of Tourette sometimes too. So. Um, I'm just, I'm just thankful I got to this episode without uh, rasping it too much. So I'm. Yeah, you sounded good, man. You think so? Yeah, you sounded. Poultry Bob you, Smith. You, you, Sultry yeah. Bob's. That would have been my wrestler name. There we go. <laughs> Luscious Johnny Valiant. Sultry Bob Smith. There you go. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, Marsh, I mean, it's, you know, welcome aboard again. And uh, this should be fun. Hopefully it'll be fun for you. Uh, it's already fun for me. I'm sure it's fun for Bob. Sure. We're going to have some fun with this thing and see where it goes. we got a lot of zany episodes coming up. And, and then we have some really serious stuff, too. So, uh uh, we will see where this goes week after week and have fun with it and give people some content uh, that they're going to enjoy. So, and then they'll join Patreon. The ones that haven't, you know, become a member yet. Patreon.com slash John Remember that and do it. Marsh, I, uh, 
before we close things out, I do want to mention one other thing. Uh, and this is a, this is a side, not even a side project. It's a major project for me. Uh, and it is the baseball podcast that I do now. And it's called The Gibby Show, uh, which is uh, by the, the star of the show is John Gibbons, the two-time former manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, baseball lifer. John and I started a podcast. The first episode is out, and it's already been out a few, you know, a couple days now, uh, and it is doing phenomenally well. Uh, our first guest was Josh Donaldson of the New York Yankees. Uh, there'll be a big name guest each and every week. You can find that not just uh, on all your favorite podcast platforms, but it's also on YouTube, a visual element. It's the Gibby show. Subscribe to it on YouTube and listen to it. And I talked to John today, and this is an interesting thing because John likes wrestling. His favorite wrestler was Wahoo McDaniel and Dusty Rhodes. And he's like, hey, Johnny, you know, he's got this Texas draw. He goes, Johnny, let's uh, let's uh, let's bring a wrestler on uh, every now and then. I said, John, you know how to get to people. If you want to bring on somebody like a John Cena or somebody like that, if you can get them, bring them on. I'll be more than happy to talk uh, baseball with a, a wrestler on our baseball podcast. So um, that's the Gibby show. And I'm happy to be a part of it. It's a big part of my life now. Um, as these podcasts are. So I'm turning into a, um, a hermit in front of the in front of the, the light and the camera and, and this stuff. So uh, that's it. I have nothing else to say. What can I tell you? <laughs> hey, you know, he's been a little modest. Let me tell you folks something. The Gibby show is good. If you haven't, if you haven't heard it or, or have heard of it, check it out. I think you'll get hooked on it from the, this very first episode on, because this is something a little bit different. And yeah. if you don't know how amazing John Gibbons is, you'll find out by listening to the show. Am I right, John? Oh, absolutely. I mean, even bringing Josh Donaldson on for the first guest uh, and, and them talking about the fight that they had in 2016. Uh, and it, that's hilarious, but it's the, it's, it was an actual fight between them and, and of course, Josh is the you know the starting star third baseman for the New York Yankees. So I asked him about you know how uh, being a teammate of Aaron Judge was, and Josh was a he's a straight shooter. He's like Gibby in a lot of ways. They both come from that same mentality. They're both a little quirky, uh, but they're both straight shooters. So that was a lot of fun. And and uh, the the next episode we got the uh, the ace of the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, on with us and 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 marcus stroman is coming on and he's talking about wow. albert yeah albert Pujols. um you know all of these incredible names in baseball like he says i'm gonna get doc Gooden. i'll get daryl strawberry you know because it's like for me this is a dream you know baseball has always been my passion in life other than wrestling and, and music that's the nature of my book it talked about my my three lives in baseball wrestling and in country music. And now it's kind of full circle back in baseball as I do wrestling too. And, and it's really fun. I mean, uh, I had a cup of coffee in baseball uh, back in the early eighties. And that's where I met John. He was my roommate with the Shelby Mets. Uh, we shared a house with JP Ricciardi, who was also a 22 year old kid who went on to become the general manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. And he hired John for his first manager's gig. Uh, and we're going to do a reunion show with the roomies on the Gibby show. So it's going to be a lot of fun. If you're a baseball enthusiast, uh, or even if you're not, it's going to be entertaining to say the least. You have a wrestling guy with a baseball lifer 
some incredible A-listers in the baseball game as guests, questions, contests. Uh, it'll be fun. Give it a, give it a listen. Uh, anywhere you listen to your podcast or on YouTube, The Gibby Show. Enough of a plug there, I guess, guys. I think but it's I, awesome. Hey, congratulations, John! Congratulations, seriously. I think this is this is a big deal. I, this, I think this is really a major step, and uh, good for you, man. Good for you. Yeah, I mean, it became the number one podcast in Canada uh, in sports and in baseball. Number fifteen in the United States. Uh, uh, it's just it, the numbers are there. So uh, a good first episode. We'll be doing one each week, and it drops every single Monday. Uh, so keep them busy. But, uh, yeah, that'll wrap it up. Uh, before I do wrap it up officially, I'd like uh, both Bob and Marsh uh, to let everybody know where they can reach them on social media because everybody has a social media following. Uh, but, uh, Marsh, I mean, you're out there on yep. social media, right? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Ref Marsh. Uh, I do my own little hangout, talking wrestling. Uh, it, it's all linked up is there as well. Uh, and, yeah, you can just find me there. Uh, Instagram, Marsh Ref still pretty easy to find me so you can be found and what is that shirt yeah. you're wearing it's mean mark i see is that mean, mean mark callus <laughs> wow yeah. that is very cool i like it man <laughs> anybody can wear an undertaker t-shirt but not a mean mark callus t-shirt yeah, that's, that's amazing yeah i got a really close friend who's uh he goes by his middle name but his first name is mark and so he was obsessed with mean mark callus as a small kid and then when he showed up as the undertaker he knew exactly who he was because mm -hmm. It was that mean Mark. Here he comes. And it was awesome. So, so he got these shirts. Very, cool. I like it. I it's not that. as good as my Joe Turco shirt though. Wait, <laughs> the Wait. continental nobleman. Hold, hold the phone. Yes. Hold the phone. I'm only shitting you. I don't oh, know. Okay. <laughs> I mean, but if I, I did, it would be fun. Imagine it? a Joe Turco t-shirt. My the Lord. Nobleman. The continental noble. Like you do this thing. I never knew what this you meant. Like, this means yeah. the Malokia in Italian. This means yeah. like I'm putting a freaking hex on you. Like the Malokia is like this, and they'd go like this. It was very famous in my family, at least, you know, with my grandparents. <laughs> we get the Malokia all the time, and then we get the Batala. The Batala was the slap to the side of the head if you were yes. misbehaving. Joe Turco could draw some comedy heat. Oh, yeah. He He's could. my tag team partner. Yes. I That's know. right. <laughs> He showed you the ropes, literally. Yeah, literally showed me the ropes. <laughs> yeah. But it was it was that was a, that was an honor for me to even team up with him for that that uh, godforsaken match against Strongbow and Peter Maivia. That was uh, uh, that'll live in infamy for sure. All right, gentlemen, it's always a pleasure. Uh, wrap it up here. Uh, that will wrap up this edition of John Rizzi's Pro Wrestling Spotlight. Uh, you can join our private group, Facebook.com, and uh, just look for that facebook.com slash pro wrestling spotlight podcast radio show most importantly the youtube channel it's youtube.com slash pro wrestling spotlight so that's where you could find this show and all the other clips that are up there right now go to the youtube channel make sure you subscribe to it and when you listen to the show uh, especially if you're on apple make sure to review it five-star review always helps us 
If you want to follow me on uh, Twitter or Bob, I have to mention your social media. Did I? Did we do that? No, we did not. Oh, damn it, Bob! No, it's okay. Yeah, I understand. We 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 got talking about Joe Turco. I mean, it, it, you know, yeah, I know that priorities, gets... man. Priorities. <laughs> no, um, you can find me and Marshall laugh at this. It's I'm on Twitter at Bob underscore Bahumba B A H O O M B A Bahumba was the name of my first record label back when I was a blues guy and I, I founded the label and I had myself and one other artist on the label. And uh, the, the word Bahumba came from the late great Canadian comedian, Tony Rosado of SCTV. And he used to say that while shaking his pelvis suggestively Bahumba. It was funnier <laughs> when he did it, but anyway, I'm there. It's still a catchy usually, name. Yes. I'm usually there complaining. And um, also there's a, there's a Twitter handle for my music career, which is Robert Charles, C H A R E L S which nobody looks at and I hardly look at it myself. So, but in any event, I'm also at Facebook. Just look for Bob Smith and you, you'll find me on there. Um, there and, uh, and that's, you know, Twitter, Twitter is probably the best bet to try to get a hold of me there. Uh, Bob me, under gotta... slash Bahumba. Mm -hmm. There you go. Under slash Bahumba. Under slash. Uh, oh, Modric, so yeah. you know, it's Modric. Yes. Check it out for sure. <laughs> Uh, Twitter for me at John Arezzi, Instagram at John Arezzi as well. I was able to get those handles because my name is pretty freaking unusual. Uh, if you'd like to sign a numbered copy of my book, Matt Memories, too late, no more. Kidding, of course. Whoa. John at MattMemories.com. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I actually just got another order from ECW Press. They were delivered uh, yesterday. So I got 90 books in my possession right now. Uh, if you'd like to sign a number copy, John at MattMemories.com. If not, just go to Amazon and buy one there. Do me a favor. Please buy one if you haven't bought one already. It would be nice. Maybe I can get another book and write about uh, uh, my, my, my intimate affair with Joe Turco. So let's see how it goes. Um, and don't forget to check out the sister podcast on the wrestling side, Matt Memories from Madison Square Garden, covering all the shows I attended from the Mecca of all arenas. The new episode is being taped. And will be out September 30th. This may have aired or not before then. But it covers the Shea Stadium show of September 30th, 1972, when Bruno San Martino took on Pedro Morales. So that is Matt Memories from Madison Square Garden. That show is co-hosted by Tim Putre. It's written and researched by Richie Garcia. John Arezzi's Pro Wrestling Spotlight podcast is a production of Matt Memories, LLC. Our co-host, of course, is the illustrious Bob Smith and our new producer, and creative director is simply Marsh. And there he is from Tucson, Arizona. We want to thank our Patreon executive producers, Anthony Pyrus and Joe Holloway. And for all the patrons, for your support, helping with production costs for this show. Until next time, when we talk more wrestling with you, this is John Arezzi for the Pro Wrestling Spotlight.